everyone. Welcome to the Will to Live Initiative podcast. A new podcast where I investigate ongoing, unlawful, non-consensual experimentation on innocent men and women in the U.S. and possibly abroad. I am one of those people victimized by this atrocity. And now I am working hard to restore justice by sharing evidence and information in hopes of prompting a proper investigation. Join me in my fight and help raise awareness by tuning in and sharing this podcast with your family and friends. What's happening in this video here? I'll explain that later. But first, I wanted to talk a little bit about me so you can have a basic idea of who I am in my life up until now. I've lived a rather simple, uncomplicated life, at least by my standards. I was born in Chicago in 1973. We moved to Louisiana when I was four. When I say we, I mean my mother and my three brothers. And that's where I grew up, a small town named Columbia, population seven, three of which are stray cats. No, but it's a typical country southern town you know, more dirt roads than paved roads. Not a lot of stoplights. Uh, local businesses, at least at the time that I was growing up there. Um, you know, our family was a typical black southern family. Um, you know, the grandmother was the nucleus of everything and pretty much ran everything and you know, as kids, we, you know, rode bikes and walked around country dirt roads barefoot, uh, picked berries and stuff off of trees. Just it was, it was, it was. We thought it was boring at the time, you know, because we didn't think there were a lot to do but we made our own fun which when we look back at it was probably the best fun because we were forced to use our imaginations and to think and get outdoors and you know play around in nature so you know that was actually a good upbringing when we think about it now Columbia is where most of my family is from my immediate family and that's actually where my mother and my father grew up also and that's a typical story there you know father not around single mother you know um, with the support of my grandmother and family of course helped raised raise us and you know same with her siblings and you know, their children that were uh, at least located in town. Um, I'm the youngest 
of four boys. Uh, two of my older brothers uh, passed away at young ages uh, for different uh, health-related, due to different health-related issues. Um, and that, those events helped kind of shape who I am and uh, who our, you know, what our family became. You know, not in the sense that it was so traumatic we just re- went off the rails, but you know, that grief of losing a sibling, you know, that really shapes your life, especially at a young age, you know, a very young age, and you know, you really don't have a, a lot of understanding. Um, so it gives you a different perspective uh, on life. Fast forward to graduating high school and going to college. I attended and graduated from Central State University, which is located in another small town named Wilberforce, Ohio. It's a small, historically black college or university tucked in the cornfields and it's funny because I had never seen the campus before you know during that time there was no internet to pull up pictures and videos you know and see you know student life and to see the campus no online campus tours none of that the only images I saw of the campus were of you know select spots in the brochure that they send you you know so you see those and you think okay you see a couple students here and there you know all posing and smiling looking all cheesy and you think okay you know that's you know that's nice now being from the country you know I'm thinking everything up north is all city you know just big buildings and traffic, you know, people break dancing on subways, you know. But I didn't get that. No, I didn't I didn't see the school until we drove through fifteen hundred miles of cornfield to get to this small good times looking campus in what felt like the middle of nowhere. But once I touched down, I was hooked. And those were the four, four of the greatest years of my life spent on that Good Times Cornfield campus, where my time was consumed by two things, band and books. If you know anything about black college bands, you know they take up a great deal of your time. There's a lot of work that goes into it. And of course, the books was the main focus. You know, not much partying, just band and books. And I studied really hard, you know, because, you know, that was important to me. It was important to me. I like learning things. Um, 
but getting my degree and getting out on time was important to me. And I made a lot of good friendships um, during that time, and most of those people were also, you know, band members, with the exception of a couple people who were, you know, just what I would call regular students, I guess. Um, but made some good friendships that lasted up to this day. Fast forward to graduating from college, which I did on time. And now my major was radio television communications. So when I graduated, I was able to get a job at a small mid-market TV station in Dayton, Ohio. And I worked in television news, did that for a couple of years, and hated it. Hated it, which that wasn't really ever my goal in the first place, but you know, you, you graduate from college and you, you know, you figure I gotta get this job in my field, um, and hadn't really started pursuing what I wanted. And then when I figured, okay, you know, it's time for me to do what I wanna do. I left and moved to Dallas, Texas. I loved Dallas, still do. And while I was there, I worked, you know, simple jobs, call centers, admin jobs, you know, always office gigs. Uh, met some good people. In fact, that's where I met two guys who I consider to be brothers to this day. I mean, in a very real sense of, you know, what I consider a, a brother to be. Now, it was during this time living in Dallas that I really started to dive into more uh, spiritual and phys physical, uh, philosophical studies. Uh, reading about philosophies and religions of, you know, different cultures not looking for something to believe in or for something to follow, but for understanding. That's always been the underlying theme of my life, which started as a kid, where I was always, I always wanted to gain wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Something that I, you know, learned growing up. You read about in the Bible, especially in Proverbs, where it talks about, you know, that should be a life goal is to gain those three things. And I wanted to understand that, you know, to know and understand myself, my own soul, my own mind, the mind of God, if that's even possible, and how that all connects. How can I improve my thinking? And how I deal with people in life situations. So studying all these different philosophies really helped me to do that. And that's a process that never ends. You never get to a place where you understand it all or know it all. It takes a life, lifetime to master the self. Because you're still growing. Or you should be. 
We seem to think that life is childhood, adult, old age, die, heaven or hell. That when you're grown, you already know what to do and how to be. We use simple principles to govern our entire lives without making adjustments for ever-changing times and circumstances. Everything must fit into our mindset. And we get frustrated when that doesn't happen. And this is why it's important to always strive to gain wisdom, knowledge, and understanding to help deal with life's ever-changing circumstances. Anyway, I bounced back and forth between Dallas and Louisiana a couple of times. Still doing the whole call center customer service work until I got into IT, which I kind of fell into. I learned how to fix computers on my own because I didn't want to pay the ridiculous prices that computer repair shops would charge to fix your computer. So a company I was working for at the time asked me to help out with you know, some inventory uh, project with their computers. And I wound up fixing a problem on one of the computers. And so this turned into me helping out with more computer related issues and projects and then that turned into me becoming the head IT guy for that building and so after that IT became you know sort of a career path and I never took a computer class not one except for once in high school way back in the day when playing Oregon Trail on a black and green monitor was the advanced video game of the day but other than that not a single class you know and I you know I worked in that field for a good number of years In 2010, I moved to Atlanta, Georgia, where again I worked, you know, some IT gigs, made a few friends here and there. Um, Same as anywhere I go, you know, usually any city that I move to, I manage to meet a lot of people um, and have a few decent friendships that tend to last longer than the others, you know. I mean, because some people you lose touch with, or some people you realize are just really not worth the, the time. And then there are other people who they just stick with you, you know. They just stick with you, and it's an organic thing that, you know, you enjoy each other's company, you have the same ideals or the same sense of humor. So, um, 
same thing in Atlanta, uh, where also I had a lot of friends there who I knew from, from college or from other places, and even a couple of relatives that were there. So again, you know, I did all these different IT jobs up until 2015 when I had just decided, you know what, I, I, I've had enough. You know, I've had enough of working jobs that I hated or that I didn't like or that just weren't fulfilling. For years, I worked these jobs because they were easy for me. And of course, you know, you needed a job. But I didn't like these jobs because there were other things that I wanted. Wanted to work for myself, doing something more creative, something more fulfilling, and something that I enjoyed. I had had different business ideas, some good, some not so much, but I was always willing to try. Always willing to try. In 2015, I promised myself that I was going to try and I was going to make something work. Come what may, come hell or high water, I was going to make something work. And so I left my job and started to pursue these different ideas that I had. And it was rough for a good while, but I kept working at it, developing the idea and building it until slowly but surely things started to take shape. Now the business was a graphic design business that focused on uh, customized phone cases and phone scans. And this morphed into doing three-dimensional design work, you know, 3D designs. And I put a lot, I mean a lot, of time and effort into developing this business. You know, building my own websites, studying sales and marketing, graphic design, photography, things that I had been dabbling in over the years. But this time I was far more focused, mainly because I did away with the safety net job in order to do it full time. And I was able to pull that off because around 2016, I was living with an uncle in the small military town named Warner Robins, Georgia. And it's important that you remember the name of that town. Now it was there living with my uncle that I had the space and the freedom to focus on my business you know plus I also started to pick up my sticks again and start uh, practicing music I was a, I was a drummer in case I didn't mention that before I played the drums quite well I might add so I started practicing again and things were good or so I thought What I had not realized at the time was that something was coming. Something was happening. 
someone was plotting. And 2018 is when they decided to strike. Strange things started to happen. And that brings us back to the video we looked at at the beginning. Around August or September of 2018, the guy you see in this video here moved into the apartment directly above my uncle's, where I was staying at the time. And he started doing things like you see in this video. What he would do is he would come out of his apartment and run down the stairs really fast and hard. And he would start looking around as though he were pretending to be looking for something. And he would look up and take quick glances into the window. Now, at that window see there's a balcony and there's a dining room right there which had a a table and I would always sit at that table to use the computer because I was always working on my business just pretty much all day so I would have my computer there so we didn't have a couch in the living room uh, where I slept and there was a, a, a bed in there which was an air mattress Um, so I would sit at the table because I was more comfortable and you can see directly outside from that table you know through the balcony window so he would come rush down the stairs just really hard and just start looking around as though you know as though he's looking for something And he would do this every day, sometimes even twice a day, until I started recording it. Because it was obvious it was being done to annoy me for whatever reason. And I didn't know this guy. I had never seen him before, didn't know anything about him, you know, and I didn't really make a lot of noise, so it couldn't be you know, some sort of payback for, you know, noise I was making or anything like that. So once I started recording, he stopped. You know, and that's important to remember. When I started recording that, he stopped. But he wasn't done. He started doing other things. And not just him, other people started behaving strangely. And some of the people that I knew started behaving differently. And it was just the strangest thing. And it was a chain of events was starting that I didn't see coming. And by the time I started figuring things out, these acts escalated into something so unbelievable so sinister 
that had I not experienced it, I too would have a hard time believing. Now next time, we will explore this neighbor and other events that started happening that were all intentionally designed to slowly and methodically change my life and not for the better this is where you the listener must start to think put on your investigative hats these are the things that they don't want you to see what they don't want you to know but this is what you need to know because today it's me tomorrow it could be you your family your friends and your children they could be next because experiments start with small sample sizes of the larger population the subject matter is meant for so it is important that you hear and do your best to understand Well, this concludes this episode of the Will to Live podcast. I hope that you will join me next time and follow along as I work to end this torture for myself and others who may be suffering. Please sign the petition at change.org slash will to live follow on twitter and instagram at will to live us that's w-i-l-l-t-o-u-s subscribe to this channel and turn on notifications uh, for alerts when I publish new episodes please share this as well as the petition with your friends and family on your social media or through text, by email, or just have discussions about what I've discussed. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out and I'll be happy to answer them. In the meantime, keep praying and standing up for human rights. I'm Will, and I'm out.